You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA the NFL, Major League Baseball, and Fantasy Sports. And please check out our new website, LockedOnSports.com. There you can find everything that the network has to offer all in one convenient place. That website, again, LockedOnSports.com. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the Charlotte Hornets for FanRagSports.com. And we're coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte, just down the street from Spectrum Center, where the Hornets wrapped up the home slate of their 2017-2018 season. They've got one more contest against the Indiana Pacers before they uh, put a bow on this season. So we will uh, get to a weekend recap, two games to go over, and a lot of Malik Monk scoring and assisting to break down for you as well. Plus, the biggest news of the weekend came yesterday when the Hornets officially announced that Mitch Kupchak will join the organization as not only general manager, but president of basketball operations. Two titles for Mitch Kupchak. So we will uh, basically go over everything that we talked about last week in terms of Mitch Kupchak, ask the pertinent questions that will eventually be asked to Mitch when he is introduced to the city and the media early this week. So uh, we've got a lot to get to. Let's uh, let's jump right in. No uh, David for this show, by the way. He's starting a new job. So congrats to David. He's still on the show, but he is uh, just taking a day to kind of get his, his bearings for his uh, new day job. So congrats to David. Uh, but just me today. So let's go to Orlando. The Hornets put up a huge offensive number, 137, against an Orlando team that has, let's just kind of be honest here, they've completely lost the fight. And that's very familiar. It's a very familiar place for the Hornets to be at the end of this season, playing teams that really have very little left to play for, are playing a lot of not only younger players, but as David brought up uh, last week, more and more the Hornets have been facing sort of G League type rosters, players that may not have a a definite future with the organization that they are currently playing with. Uh, So they they go up against an Orlando team that really had nothing left in the tank, and they put up a huge number, 137 uh, to 100. So good defensive effort, good offensive effort, a good bounce-back game for a team uh, in the Hornets that were floundering a little bit uh, to end the season. Dwight Howard, another double-double against his former team, 16 points, 17 rebounds and four blocks. And the bench scores 77 points in pretty even minutes with the starters. You've seen Steve Clifford work more of these younger guys, these bench guys, into the rotation. Uh, Less concerned necessarily with winning each individual game and more concerned with developing players uh, for next season. The Hornets shoot 17 of 31 from three. Uh, It's so strange to me that the Hornets can shoot 17 of 31 from three on this night. And then against Cleveland on March 28th, they go 5 of 21. Cleveland, not a a crazy great defensive team. 
And then against Brooklyn back on the 21st, they go three of 16. It's not really the fact that they can't make them. It's the fact that you've seen this all season, just sort of wildly different priorities in terms of their three-point shooting. Some nights they're willing to shoot 31, and then other nights they're less willing. And and maybe a lot of that has to do with playing uh, Malik Monk a little bit more, who is never shy when it comes to taking long-range shots. Uh, But I think it points to this idea, part of the problem with this team this season is that they never really found an identity on offense. They know their identity on defense. It's, It's been a Steve Clifford staple since he joined the organization five years ago. But they they haven't been able to execute that defensive identity in the way that Steve Clifford wanted them to do for a variety of reasons, I think. But offensively, they never never really figured out a way they wanted to play. Did they want to commit to, to finding interior opportunities for Dwight Howard? They never really got a groove in terms of the lob game for Dwight Howard. How did he fit within the offensive fold? And, and how, how could they best generate open shots outside, especially when they're playing two players on that starting line in Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Dwight Howard, who are incapable of, of taking and making three. So uh, something they will definitely have to address in the offseason if they want to continue uh, to evolve and continue to pursue uh, playoff basketball. Let's talk about Malik Monk, though. He continues a great end to his season, 26 points to lead all scores, four of six from three. Uh, it, it's just really fun watching him right now, and, and it's going to be fun watching him, I think, continue on into the future. He's working with those good screening bigs and Hernan Gomez, who is playing really well right now, Dwight Howard giving him a few of those soft kind of rub screens as he rolls to the basket, but it opens up some things from, from Monk as well, who's not afraid to go inside and kind of put that floater up. He's not creating a lot of contact, but he's creating a lot of opportunities for himself. You saw him uh, hit the lob play for Dwight Howard early in this one. Um, but you know when he works with those good screening bigs, it's it's exciting because he can get his shot up so quickly and so cleanly, and he's exactly like Kimba Walker in that way. And you see him working the mid range in very similar ways. Their shot is completely different in terms of the way it's constructed, but it, it it's it's just how quick and how clean it goes up, and how and again he's he's just no hesitation. There has been hesitation in other parts of his game defensively decision making with his pass with with whether he wants to shoot pass or drive you've seen that throughout the season no hesitation when it comes to working off those screens working off that pick and roll and and pulling up the shoot uh so very exciting eight assists though in this one uh, he seems to be growing in that point guard role that he was uncomfortable with early in the season and and he and you know that's one thing that Clifford has pointed to all year saying, look, Malik Monk has to develop as a point guard to be successful in this league. That's what Steve Clifford believes. As as someone who has uh, been around this league for a long time, he just really feels like because of the size limitations that Malik Monk will always have, if he doesn't develop his point guard skills, he's going to have a tough time being a star in this league. And here's what Clifford said after this game. In terms of decision-making, shot, pass, drive, he was eight assists, one turnover, and I thought he could have easily had three or four more. I thought he was terrific. What? Hold on. Steve Clifford has not necessarily been completely willing to give that kind of praise to Malik Monk. Part of me feels like Clifford is this kind of guy who thinks 
you know, praise has to be earned and not just earned game to game, but earned over over the long term. You want to see that long term development. You want to see a player get better and 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 consistently better. This same thing happened with Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb would have these fantastic games, and then you'd you'd wait to the end of the game and wait for Steve Clifford to speak on it and wait for him to heap some praise on one of his one of his young studs in Jeremy Lamb, and it would not come. And you'd wonder why. And then I think you you start to understand. Okay, he see he's seeing the long term here, and and he wants to make sure that that that's going to be sustained. And and I think the same th- kind of thing is happening with Malik Monk. But um, behind the scenes, they're they are working hard on on showing Malik Monk what he's doing well, but also what he what he has to work on. And what I like about some of those assists in this game and the assists that he's doling out lately is that he's creating more of them standing still. Being patient, seeing the floor, as opposed to what you saw early on in the season, where he would basically exclusively use his dribble at all times to draw the defense, and then he had that whip back pass or the you know the, the or the skip pass, and and oftentimes those would result in in more turnovers. But because of how well he's shooting the ball right now, he's going to create more opportunities by virtue of just pulling his man further outside. His second assist in this one against Orlando came from above the break. Lamb runs off a pin down that Hernan Gomez set, and then Monk delivers an accurate strike, and Lamb pulls up clean in rhythm. Because Monk's man had to honor his three-point shot because of how quick that trigger is for Monk, all of a sudden, Monk's guy is a step late digging down to guard Lamb, and I'm not sure that look would have been there for Michael Carter-Williams because of how loose teams were playing him defensively outside. Not even sure the pass would have been there, but had it been there, I think that MCW's man would have been in better position to dig down and challenge Jeremy Lamb, force the ball out of his hands. Instead, Lamb gets a clean look and a two-point basket. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, We've got one more game to go over, Indiana Pacers. There were some interesting things that happened in this one that I want to go over. And later on in the show, Mitch Kupchak, it's official. He is the general manager. He is the president of basketball operations. Those are the facts. That's what we know. What do we not know? What are the questions that need to be asked of Mitch Kupchak as he gets ready to take over this organization? Let's find out together. You're listening to Locked On Horn. here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. This is Locked on Hornets. Our boys got to go Cobra Kai. We got to go 80s villain defense. Grow a goatee. Do the uh, gladiators stab him real quick in the ribs before the game? Have an Eastern European accent. Only on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Doug Branson back with you on a Monday. This is Locked On Hornets. No David for this show. He's taking the day off because he's starting a new day job. Congrats to to David on that. Uh, new new job. That's so exciting. You know what it's like to start a new job. You you go in. Everything smells. That to me, it's the smell of a new job. They say like that new car smell. I love the new job smell when you walk down a hallway that that you're not used to walking down. And just the smell of the building. That's what I always remember. And that smell, just like the smell of a new car, slowly fades away. Not because it's gone anywhere, just because you've become accustomed to it. 
And as we look at Kimball Walker and, and what he's done for this franchise and the records that he's breaking and the amazing things that he does night in and night out, I, I'm trying to remember what it felt like to watch him initially grow just a couple of seasons ago, knock down three-point shots at a rate that we just didn't think was possible with Kimball Walker and to lead this team to a playoff battle with Miami that they were almost able to take and get to that second round. It was, it was there for the taking. And a few breaks didn't go their way. But as we look at what could be the end of the Kimball Walker era, we'll get to Mitch Kupchak in a minute. That could have a lot to do with it. But it, it is kind of like that. It, the, the smell has faded. We're, we're more accustomed to Kimball Walker, but Malik Monk is different. Now we, we have that sort of like every time he goes out and scores 20 points, it's exciting. Every time you watch him, he's exciting. What is he going to do next? Is he going to pull up for that shot? He's capable of it. He's got range for days. So just try to remember it. Try to enjoy it. That's all I'm saying. All right, final home game on a Sunday afternoon against the Pacers. Better competition? Pacers? More turnovers for the Hornets? Less three-point shooting prowess for the Hornets? Resulted in a loss. I think it's a little bit of perspective here. You know, when you talk about how how well they've been shooting the three, how well Malik Monk's been playing. Uh, they get a couple of wins over some bad teams, and they play a team like the Pacers who are fine-tuning things for a playoff run, and I think you see the the big divide between where the, the Hornets are and where the rest of the Eastern Conference is. They lose this one 123-117. to 117. Did fight hard, though, I will say that. And, and again, the Hornets are not necessarily focused on winning basketball games. They're more focused. It's sort of half and half. Like, yeah, you want to win. You want to compete. That's probably a better word than win. You want to compete. And I think they did that in this game. Because you saw the Pacers, you know, they get out to a big lead in that first quarter. Then they extended it a little bit in the second quarter. But the Hornets fight back towards halftime. Uh, but eventually have to capitulate to, to the, the Pacers, who just have a lot of talent on that team. One of those guys, Sabonis, Demonis Sabonis, my goodness. Big factor for the Pacers, career-high 30 points. He was hot from mid-range, which you tend to live with. That Oladipo, Sabonis pick-and-roll, that's difficult to guard. That's going to be difficult in the playoffs, whatever matchup they end up getting. Dwight and Hernan Gomez, I thought, did a good job with him in one-on-one situations. It was, you know, when he got out on the break, looked very Cody Zeller-like and got a few easy baskets, got some putbacks that I thought the Hornets should have contained. You know, if you want to go microscopic on a on a game that really didn't matter for for the Charlotte Hornets, I mean, I think that's one area where where they that made the difference. But let's go back to Malik Monk, twenty two points on eight of seventeen shooting, a little bit of <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of a less efficient night for Monk than he had against Orlando. But again, you look at the assist to turnover ratio: five assists, one turnover. He's getting a lot of those to Hernan Gomez, who's doing a great job getting out on that roll. I mean, uh, Hernan Gomez has impressed me. Almost as much as Malik Monk. Now, I think Malik Monk's his trajectory is a little higher than Hernan Gomez. But I just think in this end of season, those two have developed a little bit of a, a, a chemistry. But back to Monk. Here's your interesting stat of the show. Are you ready for this? Malik Monk is the first Hornets rookie since the great Walter Herman to have three straight games of 20 or more points. Bet you didn't think you'd hear that name, Bobcat's great, Walter 
Herman. Billy Hernan Gomez got 23 minutes of run, had 14 points, eight rebounds. Just talked about him. He's really taken advantage of the opportunity presented to him from Cody Zeller's injury. We talked a lot about Zeller staying out. Was that a was that a good move for Cody Zeller to not try to get back at some run, go into the offseason with a little bit of momentum? But one person that has been very good for is Hernan Gomez. He's averaging nine points and eight rebounds on 57% shooting in his last 10 games. And that's only 16, a little above 16 minutes of play. Love how confident and quick he is about rolling to the rim. He's presented a lot of those opportunities for Malik Monk to get some assists these past 8 to 10 games. And he's not making as many mistakes out there as he was when, when he first saw action. He's, he's setting up his argument to be part of the Hornets' plan moving forward. And uh, finally, shout out to Steve Martin, retiring after 30 years of NBA coverage, most of that with the Charlotte Hornets. He was honored at Sunday's game. He's been an inseparable part of the Hornets' experience. Former players and fans like Glenn Rice, Steph Curry, Seth Curry have been coming out and uh, putting videos up showing their support for the man uh, that has really, truly been the voice of the Charlotte Hornets for so long. Uh, So congrats, Steve Martin, on a great career. One that, again, just all Hornets fans, I feel like, except for for the youngins. But I'm a youngin, and I still remember Steve Martin. He was he was the Hornets for so many. So congrats to him. All right, quick pause, one more, and then we're coming back to talk about Mitch Kupchak. It's official. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury? That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f*** doing, dude? Uh oh. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just having to deal happen. With an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but uh, sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, that was understandable. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, you're listening to Locked On Hornets. Doug Branson back with you on this Monday. It is official. The Hornets name Mitch Kupchak as not only the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, but also the president of basketball operations. Dual titles for the longtime NBA executive. Kupchak joins the team after spending several decades with the Los Angeles Lakers as both player and front office executive. He's going to be bringing an eye for talent that is really unquestioned. Certainly when you spend several decades with a franchise, there are going to be hits and misses, but I don't think you're going to find many people who deny that Mitch Kupchak knows the, you know, the things that make a player successful in the NBA. So much of, so much of player development is, is on the individual player. And so much is unknown. We talked about this, Last week or the week before, where they asked a panel at Sloan that included Gerson Rosas and uh, Danny Ainge's son, who is an executive with the Celtics, and they asked them, like, what if there was one thing you, you could know that you don't currently know right now about prospects, what would it be? And they said psychological. You, you can't know if a player is going to come in and commit to getting better, to doing what Kimball Walker did. 
And it's the question that you have about Malik Monk. Will he go into this offseason and work extra hard on his defense, on his body, on his decision-making, on his point guard skills? Or is he just going to be okay with being a really great shooter who can't play a lick of defense? It's unknowable. It really is. You can make some you could make some best guesses and try to do as much research and ask the questions, but it's just like hiring anyone to any job. It's a risk. But so much of the, the, the point of all of that was that so much of this is on players, and yet we really put 100% on it on the, on the executives and on the teams that make the decision. But he's going to bring an eye for talent, Mitch Kupchak. He's going to bring an immense amount of NBA experience and tremendous respect amongst his colleagues around the league. But he has got a tough task ahead of him with the Charlotte Hornets because they're locked up cap-wise this next season. They really have no room to maneuver. In fact, they've got to figure out a way to add a few pieces without going into that dreaded luxury tax territory that would cost the team an amount of money but also reduce flexibility for them to make maneuvers if they do want to continue to win But they've got so many players under contract, players that may not be completely attractive in the trade market, that some difficult decisions may have to be made. Rick Bennell has talked a lot about this in terms of, do you make a tough decision like moving a Jeremy Lamb who would be attractive in the trade market? Do you just clear up $7 million that would go towards your mid-level exception? But you'd give them away for nothing, for a second-round pick. A lot of questions. What is he going to bring to the Hornets organization, Mitch Kupchak? What's he going to do with this organization? What direction will he take this franchise in? Will he attempt a roster upheaval, or will he wait out some of these contracts that are due to expire after next year? Will any roster moves include exploring a trade for star Kimba Walker? Walker's going to be in the last year of his deal. He's eligible for an early extension, but the Hornets will be unlikely able to give him one, even if Kimba wanted it. Oh, oh, there's a question. Would Kimba Walker want to continue with this franchise if it were declared that that this organization was going in towards a direction of rebuild as opposed to playoff contention? Because you're going to now be competing, you know, after next season, you're going to be competing with with the other teams in the league for Kimball Walker's love and his attention. Can they do that? And if they if they feel like they can't, do you move Kimball Walker in the offseason? So that's going to be the big looming question over that's the domino that would have to fall first. Will he want to install his own coach? to see out the future or stick with coach Clifford, who he has some experience with out in Los Angeles. Would a full rebuild also include a new coach? If that's the direction they want to take, or if they want to take a, a direction that I think Mitch Kupchak is very familiar with in terms of making big trades to get out from under undesirable contracts and, and continue to be in playoff contention. In, in Los Angeles, it was championship contention. Not sure that's completely realistic to think about in Charlotte, but 
at the same time, if they want to continue to win, I think they got the right guy in Mitch Kupchak. He knows how to make those maneuvers. But the big question is, is he planning a full reset of the Hornets organization in the model of the process, or will he try to maneuver the teams towards maneuver this team towards playoff contention within the next few seasons? Or is there some other plan? Is there some other philosophy? What does Mitch Kupchak believe is the best direction for this franchise? And and you you have to think, because of how long we've heard about the rumors of Mitch Kupchak being in contention to be the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets, that they've had these discussions. That ownership has made clear what direction they'd like to go. And I'm sure that Mitch Kupchak has made equally clear what he believes is the best direction for this franchise. And again, one would have to assume they've come to some kind of mutual agreement as to how to best execute that vision. And if they haven't, that's that could that could cause some real friction in the near future. But for now, Mitch Kupchak is the general manager and president of basketball operations for the Charlotte Hornets. Some big decisions ahead for Mitch, including Kimba Walker. Dwight Howard, what do you do with him? If you if the Hornets right now they're slated what, 10, 11 in the draft? Not gonna be many bigs there. They're going to be looking at three and D prospects on the wing at that position. But hey, what if they were to strike it rich in the draft lottery, slide up into the top three positions? Dare I say, win the lottery. Get into that first slot. Then all of a sudden, they could upgrade their front court because there are a lot of bigs in those top three positions that could be available, then what, is the, what does that mean for the future of Dwight Howard? Because a lot of people talk about, well, do you move Dwight Howard next season? You know, Try to use that expiring contract and, and his performance this year, record-setting double-doubles for the, for the Charlotte Hornets and, and a bounce-back year, at least individually, for you know, statistically for Dwight Howard. Do you try to leverage that and, and move that deal? I think it's still going to be very difficult to do that but I think a bigger question is, would you want to do that? Because where does that, if, if you want to continue to win, that's, that's always the caveat. If you don't, then it, it, it matters less. Then you're talking about just don't, bring a, just don't bring back long-term contracts. But if you want to continue to win, then where does that leave your front court? Hernan Gomez and Cody Zeller, who has missed 20 or more games for three of the past four seasons. Not a great position for your front court to be in. You'd have to find some way to use that money that would come back to address what now is a hole in your front court. So that question still lingers. By the way, one thing I didn't mention with Malik Monk, and I'll close the show with this, is you're starting to, as, as he racks up these 20-point games and, and starts to finally find his shot, you're starting to, to hear the the chitter-chatter of, well, why wasn't he playing early in the season? Oh, here's Steve Clifford putting down the rookie. You're hearing it. You're hearing the chitter-chatter. And all I have to say is, I feel like it's pretty much an instant reveal of someone who really has not paid close attention to this team all season. 
Because if you have paid attention and you listen to this show, you, you, you know that Malik Monk was not ready to play at 19 years old. He was not ready to play early this season. You saw Fred Van Vliet completely annihilate him on, on baseline out-of-bounds play after baseline out-of-bounds play. And you saw him, his defense really hurt the team early in the season. And you saw the reasons why he wasn't available to play. And listen, I'm the first to say, listen, the Michael Carter-Williams, his offense was a detriment to this basketball team. It hurt them significantly not being able to rely on the backup point guard to develop any offense. That certainly hurt them significantly. But his defense was a game changer. His ability to organize the offense, despite not being able to score for it, his ability to organize the offense and create opportunities for others was a significant upgrade over Malik Monk. Listen, and that's, I'm telling you what, what it was relative to what the Hornets had available to them at the backup point guard position. With the understanding that it was not good enough, they've neglected the backup point guard position for so long, that's been a big part of why they haven't been able to, to succeed in the way they've wanted to succeed. But Malik Monk was not ready to play at the beginning of the season. And, and he's getting there now. He's getting to that point. I don't think he. I don't think he's quite there yet, and that's what the off season's for. And hopefully, he takes full advantage of that. And then you, you see a Malik Monk who is more equipped to deal with with a team to, to to be on a team and lead a a unit, lead a second unit that is trying to win basketball games against tough competition. So we'll leave that. We'll leave the show with that. Thanks so much for listening. The Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We're going to be taking you all through the offseason. We've got Draft Wednesday coming up with Gavin Shaw. That's going to be fun. We're going to dive into some of these draft picks that could be available to the Charlotte Hornets wherever they end up drafting. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets and tell a friend. Until tomorrow, I'm Doug Branson for David Walker. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm sharp.